This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And again, I feel like I need to, before I go into anything, let you know that obviously my voice isn't sounding quite right. I've been, well, both Annalise and I have been hit with the flu, and I'm going on day, what is it, I think nine now, where I'm just not feeling right, so there's going to be some scratchy throat sounds and probably some coughing along the way here. Probably try to edit some of that major stuff out, but if if some of that still uh, is troubling or hard to listen to, I'm sorry about that. But like I say, it's been well over a week now, so uh, it feels good to be back in and actually recording something. And what I want to share about in this episode is uh, a teaching. It, it's almost not even a teaching. It's more of just a couple little sentence, a couple little uh, phrase idea that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 11. And I want to read just these two verses, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, because I really do believe that what he has to say in just these two quick verses really speaks to where we find ourselves often in life. And you know, as I've been talking about over the past, I don't know, feels like past several months here, as I was inadvertently talking about over and over some of the tough stuff that's dealt with in Scripture, and I sort of, through what I was recording, I think, realized that I personally was in a pretty emotionally low state for the last few months. It, you know, I saw like over and over and over, I'm kind of talking about dealing with tough stuff, being in the middle of tough stuff. And so I had to ask why that was, why that idea was resonating with me so much. And I started doing a little bit deeper introspection and realized that I couldn't put my finger on it. I don't really know why to this day, but I was not in a great place emotionally. And to find that and then to realize what was happening, uh, I go, oh, okay, that makes sense why I'm kind of drawn to this way of thinking over and over and over. And as I talked about last episode, the episode before that, talked about the parable of the sower. One of the things in there that Jesus talks about is this soil that not only grows the seed that was planted, but it also grows a whole bunch of thorns, a whole bunch of weeds, a whole bunch of other stuff. And as I talked about that, and as I've thought since then about so many people in my life who are running from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, where life is just kind of a hectic go, 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 go. 
whether it's taking kids out of town for travel sports or whether it's you are the one traveling for work or, you know, whether it's just responsibility stacked upon top of other responsibility, whether that's stuff like what Annalise and I were doing over the past summer of getting a house renovated and ready, whether you're looking at a new career or you're doing some training for something, whatever it is, it's really, really, really easy. Like think about how many different things I was able to, that was in the moment that I was thinking of and kind of rattling off, hey, maybe you're crazy busy because of this or this or this. It's really easy to get so busy, to get so overwhelmed, to get so just burned out by all the different things that are on our plate, all the different things that are available to us, all the different responsibilities that we have. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and that yoke is, you know, if you've heard this talked about before, you've heard this explanation, but a yoke, or maybe you grew up in a farming community or something, but a yoke is what they would do. It's an instrument so that they can connect two working animals next to each other. So it was for um, oxen primarily as they were... uh, trying to plow fields and do different things before tractors and all those different, uh, you know, amazing pieces of technology that we have today. The reason things are measured in horsepower is because when the automobile first came around, your other option was find a huge animal, attach this thing that you need carried around to the back of them and get them to move around. And so what Jesus is talking about here, when he talks about a yoke, you would put, uh, it's kind of like the, uh, if you've seen like those pictures where you go to those old timey, old west places and pretend like they've got you in stocks, right? You've got your two hands in this wooden frame thing that closes down on top of you and it holds your wrists. And then you've got your neck laying in there too and the wooden thing closes. It's got an opening there. If you picture the top part of that where it's got the little wooden cutout for your neck to lay in and then there was one next to it and you would lay those two cutout wooden things over top of the two animals that you were trying to get to work together to move in the same direction. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what he's doing is he's giving this picture of saying, come join with me. You and I, we're going to be tied together not in a literal way, but that's what a yoke would do. It's this, this piece of equipment 
that holds two working animals and keeps them on the same page, essentially. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, and he goes on, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, I want to just let that sink in for a moment, because like I mentioned before, all of us listening right now probably have more things going on, more responsibilities that at the end of the day land on or end with us than we would ideally like to have. And Jesus says, for those who are weary and burdened, and if, so I went and I looked at what all these different Greek words are because I thought, man, if there's a deeper level of meaning here, I want to make sure that I don't miss it. And these first couple, for those who are weary and burdened, that's really pretty close to what the original meaning was. Weary, tired out, worn down, burned out. And those who are burdened, um, heavy laden is another way that that sometimes is translated. If you're feeling like, man, I'm exhausted from everything that I'm carrying and the stuff that I'm carrying feels like too much, too big of a burden. Jesus is saying, come to me if you're in that spot. Come to me if you're worn down, if you're tired out, if you're feeling like there's just too much that needs to happen and not enough you to go around. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And that idea, rest, it's to take a little break, to, you know, the word that came to my mind as I looked at what it was talking about was, come to me and I'll call a timeout. Because, you know, you obviously, you know, if you've listened to more than a couple episodes here, I'm a big basketball fan. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> less in professional sports, they don't call timeouts in professional sports often because the team is just exhausted because their whole job is to be in good enough shape that they can run around as much as is going to be needed in this game. But every now and again, you'll see it happen toward the very end of a really intense game. There will be a little timeout for just a little rest break, just a little, um, reprieve. And when I picture what Jesus is saying here, that's kind of the idea that he's getting at. Because he isn't saying, um, come to me and 
I'm going to give you like rest that is going to mean we're just going to stop doing stuff, period. Uh, I want to read exactly the first definition as I look at the, the Greek word here that's translated as rest. It says, to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength. And so you see what I'm saying of why the idea here is more of a timeout, right? Because it's not, hey, come to me and then everything is going to be just relaxing from here on out. Because if we actually look at Jesus' life, and if we actually look at the lives of his followers, that's not the pattern that we see. And I think that it can be really tempting sometimes. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking this the other day when I saw ideas of uh, kind of the stuff around the prosperity gospel, but the, the ideas of like, um, you know, just name what you want God to do in your life and then claim it and then it's going to happen. And I found myself, you know, I mean, if you've heard me talk about my own health stuff, if that's how you've connected to this podcast or uh, to my story, you know that that's not been my experience, right? And I actually think that my experience of wishing and wanting and asking that God would show up in a very certain way, but he doesn't do the thing we wanted him to do. I think that's a common experience because if it wasn't, um, then I don't think we would need the verses all throughout scripture where God is saying, my plans and my ways aren't your plans and your ways. We wouldn't see Jesus in the garden before his arrest and betrayal and crucifixion and torture saying, God, this is what I hope happens. I, I would love if there was a different way. I would love for this cup to pass from me. That's the wording that he uses. And he says, but not my will, your will be done. And Paul talks about praying for the removal of this thing. We don't know what it was. And instead, what God said is, my grace is enough for you. And I, you know, I wasn't really planning on going into that very much as I was talking about this, but I do think that it's important that we understand that what God has for us and what God is up to in our lives, it's not always going to match 
the pattern and the plan that we would like for it to match, right? Because if you think about it, our plan, the American dream says, I work really hard so that I can get to a point where I have enough money saved up so that the last 20 years of my life or the last 40 years of my life or who knows, I don't have to do anything. I do all my work in the beginning and I get it out of the way and I save up my money and I get to that, the golden years, right, of retirement where I've been working, 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 and now I just get to rest for decades. I don't think that that idea is what Jesus is talking about here. He definitely is inviting us into something where we experience a break, where we experience refreshment. But it doesn't seem like it means, okay, come to me and then just stop doing any kind of anything. Because you see Jesus over and over and over inviting people to leave behind what they've got happening in life and come follow him. Even the picture of what we talked about earlier of this yoke, it's tied to the idea of work, of co-laboring, of activity. And Jesus goes on when he's talking about this um, yoke. And I've moved away from the, I navigated away from the page with the verse. So, okay, there we go. Um, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And those ideas, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That idea easy really I think a better way to translate that as I looked at it and I tried to think through, okay, what would be instead of easy? Because that, you know, we have ideas connected to that. We have the idea, okay, as soon as I start to follow Jesus, everything is just going to start going better for me in life. And if you've read through scripture you know that that would be an unrealistic expectation. The lives that are depicted throughout are lives of people who are living, and this is, I think, why sometimes, I think it's Paul that talks about our citizenship is in heaven because he's sort of living this dual citizen life where He's trying to advance the kingdom of God, but he's still living in the kingdom of people. 
and he's finding that what he's doing of teaching about what God wants done in the world, uh, it's upsetting the kingdoms of people. And he spent a lot of life on the run and having been apprehended in jail, under house arrest, awaiting trial. And so when we see Jesus say, my yoke is easy, we go, okay, yeah, that means life's going to be just smooth sailing from here on out. But a better way to translate that would be, um, my yoke is, I think a better way to translate it would be, my yoke is right. My yoke is what it should be. My yoke fits. Because uh, some of the ways that this is explained and translated uh, is talking about fit for use or useful, manageable, mild, pleasant, as opposed to harsh, hard, sharp, or bitter. So Jesus is saying, and like I have talked about a bunch of times before, I'm not trying to get you under my thumb. I'm not trying to rule over you in the way that you think I'm you know, just going to be like the dictator of your life. He's saying, I'm inviting you to something that's right. My yoke, it, it's for you. And he goes on and says, my burden is light. And that one, I've, I've been trying to figure this out because there's only, uh, there's only two times in the New Testament where this word is used. And the other time is in 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing and he says, our light and momentary affliction But what he's talking about is some of this heavy stuff that I've mentioned that he was dealing with, the persecution that people were dealing with. And so the idea of light, I mean, unless you think he's trying to help put it in perspective and say, hey, this affliction in the moment is not that big of a deal. It seems like light, um, I don't know. I, I, I want you to think about that for yourself because I haven't walked away going, yep, I know exactly what this means. Because I, I read this and think, well, that's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. It's not quite right. It doesn't seem to line up with the rest of what is being talked about here. But I don't know, maybe it does. Maybe what Jesus is trying to say is compared to the burden you're carrying now, the burden that I want to ask you to carry along with me, it's, it's light. It's not bad. It's not overwhelming. It's not too much for you. I don't know. 
I've looked at this and I've tried to think through, okay, what is he trying to communicate? And with that one word, I'm not sure. But what I do know is that Jesus here is saying that if you're living life overwhelmed, overcome, overburdened, overscheduled, you can find rest. You can find a timeout. You can find peace in him. And what actually made me think of this passage in the first place, and this might be kind of strange, the way my mind connects things is not probably, not probably, not is definitely not the normal way that people think. But I was reminded of a story that happened when I was in college, and I thought, oh, no way, I haven't told that story before on the podcast. So I've got to just share this. My I think it was my freshman year of college, I worked in the admissions department. And so each of our admissions counselors had uh, like a student helper. And so I was the student helper of a guy named Gail. And Gail, if you somehow found your way to listen to this podcast, I'm sorry about this story, (laughs) but I'm going to tell it. So My role was to handle a lot of the paperwork and different stuff like that, you know, make sure that we were getting everybody's address and phone number and GPA and SAT and ACT scores and all their, uh, you know, application essays and that kind of stuff. And then one night a week, and it would have to be a night because they wanted us to try to catch people when they were home. But these student admissions assistant people would go into the office and it would be either um, six to nine or was it seven to 10? 10, that feels too late, but I don't know. One of those two things, six to nine, five to eight, somewhere in there. We had to do three hours once a week of calling all these prospective students just touching in with them, seeing if they had any questions, letting them know what our experience was like as students. And so one of these nights, it was in the winter, so it was getting dark early, and I'm sitting in this office by myself, like the whole office space, nobody else in there. There were probably, I don't even know, six or seven different admissions counselors and so all those different offices, you know, spread around. And, and so I'm in this spot where the whole place is closed down. The lights in the hall are on, but that's it. I'm looking outside at darkness. And during the winter months, those were tough three-hour shifts because obviously I'm a freshman in college. I'm staying up way too late. I'm doing way more homework than I've been used to in high school. And it's kind of the perfect storm for the story that I'm about to describe. I would have on these nights in the winter when it's dark and I'm the only one there, I would have moments where I'm like, man, I'm so tired. I just can't hardly think. So I would buy little, um, you know, 
packs of like Mentos or something like that, where it would be just throw a piece of candy in your mouth and try to kind of keep yourself engaged. And when that one goes, throw another one in and just try to almost like when you're driving at night, right? You probably, everyone's got a system of how do I make sure I don't drift off here? And you probably can see where this story is going. But one night I'm sitting in this office by myself, dark out. I'm overburdened, right? (laughs) But mostly by my own uh, poor use of time and all that. But I'm making phone calls. And this one call that I made between, I don't know how this happened. This seems insane, but I was kind of resting my right arm on the desk and I was leaning my head to the side, kind of laying, you know, almost like in the pose of like the thinker, you know, that statue. And I was leaning over, but I had the phone up by my ear. And somehow between the time I dialed this phone number and the time the answering machine beeped, I fell asleep. So again, I don't even know. I can't imagine I could replicate this, but I dialed the number, went into my pose of the thinker, kind of leaning onto my arm and fell asleep. I woke up to the beep of the answering machine and all of a sudden beep. And that woke me up and I didn't, you know, in that moment, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I I don't want to just hang up because people have caller ID. They're going to know that I called. And so I don't know how, but I was able to just go into my script because obviously I had a little thing I would say if I got a voicemail. And so I just started, hey, this is Alan Seaborn calling from the admissions department and I start going into my script and I'm looking at the screen of the computer trying to find the name, the last name of who I'm even on the phone with leaving a message for. And last second, right as I'm getting to the end of this thing, I see the name and I say it and I leave a message, Hey, call back if you need to. And I hang up the phone and I'm like, I have no idea what just happened. I have no idea how that woke me up if I'm that tired. And I have no idea how that message turned out. I can tell you, and this is why I'm apologizing, Gail, if you're listening, that that student never came to Indiana Westland. And I don't know, I I doubt it was due to my voicemail issue, but that I'm sure didn't help. When I think about what it looks like to be weary and heavy laden, like Jesus says, I know that that's a dumb little story. And the reason I was burning the candle at both ends is because I was staying up too late playing video games and having to get up earlier than I wanted to for classes and having to do more reading and homework than I was used to. But I do think that we know that feeling where you're like, man, I don't don't even know if I can keep my eyes open. 
I just have so much stuff going on and I don't know that there's enough of me to go around. And what Jesus says, if you're there, if you're tired, if you're overloaded, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Now, I'm guessing that like me, all of us are going, yeah, I could use that right now. Now, keeping in mind that it, it might not be what we picture when we think of it, right? It's not the retirement era of rest where it's like, ah, now I never have to do anything again. He's inviting us into partnership with him, into bringing his kingdom to life here on earth. But he says that yoke, that expectation, um, it's right for us. It fits. And the burden, like we were trying to figure out, maybe compared to the other burdens we've been trying to carry, it's light. And what he's inviting us to do is find peace and rest in him. If you've never done that before, I want to invite you to reach out and just ask him, Say, hey, God, I don't even know how to talk to you. I don't know how to pray. You don't have to have the exact words. You don't have to. There's not a, a formula that this is the only way it can happen. You reach out to God. And there's a, a passage, and I think it's Paul, talks about sometimes we don't even know what to say. And the Spirit intercedes on our behalf when we can't even get words out when we don't even know where to start you don't if you're feeling like I don't even know how to do this that's okay just say God I, I need help and maybe some of us here we've we've asked for that before and then in the meantime, we've kind of overburdened ourselves. We found ourselves um, overdoing it or overwhelmed or just burned out. And we need to re-ask and say, God, I want to I wanna find that rest in you. Because, like I said before, in these few verses, what Jesus talks about here is this invitation for all of us who are overwhelmed, overcome, overburdened to come and experience his rest.